The Human Polar Bear? That and other stories for the week ending April 12th, 2015. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. Can the California water crisis get any worse? The outlook as the state enters its fourth year of drought is bleak. And in response, Governor Jerry Brown announced statewide water cutbacks of 25% and even 35% in a few areas. But agriculture was left untouched by the mandate, and that had many crying foul. They claim the governor gave in to the powerful ag industry, which uses about 80% of the state's water. Others point out, however, that farmers have already endured big cuts in the water they receive from the federal government and from the state water project. In San Diego, water officials are pushing back against Brown's order, insisting that across-the-board cuts could undermine the local economy and that the reduction order was based on average consumption in 2013, a time by which significant conservation had already been achieved. San Diego also claims they've been working to find alternative sources of water. They point to the county's $1 billion investment in desalination that once online could provide 50 million gallons of fresh water per day, about 8% of the county's total consumption. Recently, H2O Radio was in Southern California talking to residents about the water crisis. Most were well aware of the situation, pointing out that warnings are all over television and even on freeway billboards. All the people we spoke to were on board with doing their share, but some were frustrated at the state's slow response. I wish they'd been more proactive years ago, and it just is a little bit annoying that they let it get to the point where it's a crisis before we do anything to fix it. This is nothing new to California, you know, and I'd rather have a desalinization plant than a train to Modesto, so... Well, this woman and those in San Diego might see the vast Pacific as a source of fresh water and an easy fix for their woes, they should know that there are serious downsides. Taking the salt out of seawater uses a huge amount of electricity, which in turn increases carbon dioxide emissions, leading to global warming. Many also point out that the effects of the briny discharge from desalination plants can have a significant impact on marine life. One Russian company thinks it has the answer to two of those problems by going nuclear. Last month, the company announced it was planning to sell nuclear-powered desalination technology to foreign countries. The hope is that the generated power will be cost-efficient and won't produce as much carbon as fossil fuels. The Russian company is already cooperating with Iranian officials to build small nuclear plants and desalination facilities in the south of Iran. It seems that the drought in many parts of the world is now being used to justify using nuclear power to supply us with clean drinking water. In response to all this nuclear power talk tied to desalination, one word that might come to mind, Fukushima. A few weeks ago, we told you about an Indian man who recently won what had been dubbed the Nobel Prize for Water for his idea to revive traditional reservoirs called jihads to get water to more than a thousand villages in India. That man is not the only one turning to ancient technologies for modern water woes. New Scientist is reporting that in Lima, Peru, the city's water utility is planning to revive a system of ancient stone canals and pools known as amunas that were built by the Wari culture who lived in the Andes centuries before the Incas. The amunas concept is simple. Keep water from flowing directly downhill and instead funnel it along mountainsides to allow it to slowly percolate into rocks that feed springs at lower elevations. 
Weeks or even months later, when the dry season kicks in, the water is available to quench the thirst of Lima, one of the world's largest desert cities. Although the project is awaiting funding from Peru's national water regulator, the NGOs backing the plan estimate that restoring Amunas could reduce the city's current water deficit in the dry season by as much as 60%. And at a price tag of $23 million, it would be a drop in the bucket when compared to water delivered from a desalination plant, and a whole lot greener, too. There's a man you should know about whom many call the human polar bear. He's endurance swimmer Louis Pugh, and dressed in nothing but a Speedo, has just completed the fifth in a series of epic swims in some of the coldest waters on Earth. Why? To draw attention to the Ross Sea, a bay of the Southern Ocean in Antarctica, 2,000 miles below New Zealand, that is threatened by overfishing and climate change. He hopes his feet will break the political deadlock that has prevented the huge spans of sea, bigger than the UK, Germany, and France combined, from being designated as a marine protected area. For more than four years, the parties to the Commission for the Conservation of Antarctic Marine Living Resources have tried and failed to establish sanctuaries in the Ross Sea. Hopes were high, but Russia's annexation of the Crimea and the downing of the Malaysian Airlines flight over Ukraine reignited Cold War tensions. How to thaw the Cold War? If you're Louis Pugh, you dive in for some speedo diplomacy. And it might be working. According to The Guardian, he's captured the imagination of the Russian people and its politicians, appearing on Russian television and newspaper covers. Pugh, who, as a maritime lawyer in London, worked on the litigation of the Exxon Valdez oil spill in Alaska, said that protecting oceans is the single biggest issue facing the world. And he should know. He has done long-distance swims in all of them, the last one enduring an average water temperature of 30 degrees. And finally this week, goldfish. No, not the cute cheddar snacks, the real kind that you'd find in a fishbowl. Well, that's where you should find them, but last month, Colorado Parks and Wildlife discovered a booming goldfish population in a lake in Boulder, Colorado. Officials believe a handful were discarded into the lake about two years ago, where they started to multiply. Now there are thousands, and not the cute little two-inch numbers. Outside the confines of a bowl and unchecked by predators, the fish have grown to several inches long and now threaten local species by taking up resources in the lake and potentially bringing diseases to native fish. What to do about this problem? There are three plans under consideration. From electrocuting the fish with electric prods, to giving them a plant-based chemical that would kill the fish but leave mammals, birds, and reptiles unaffected, they could also just drain the lake. So if you do have fish at home you no longer want, Harming public waters with little Nemos is not the answer. You can try to return your fish to a pet store or, as one marine biologist suggested, give the little critters a more humane send-off, say with a martini. Here's how. Put the fish in a bucket of water, anesthetize them with clove oil, and then put vodka in the bucket. Don't shake or stir and let the alcohol ease the transition to the hereafter. Somewhere this Week in Water is a production of H2O Radio and is sponsored by Colorado Waterwise. Learn more at coloradowaterwise.org.